This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And today we welcome in uh, one of our favorite guests, Adam Munster-Teager of Buff Stampede, who covers the Colorado Buffaloes for 24-7 Sports. Adam, how are you doing? Uh, have you recovered from another crazy finish of Colorado football last week? I don't know if you ever recover uh, on the uh, Coach Prime beat out here in Boulder. It's been nonstop since he got hired because you got to go all the way back to just the roster overhaul, which had never been mm. done at the Power 5 level the way yep. that Coach Prime and the Buffs did. So it was players – coming and going every day. Then you get into spring ball and there was another wave. Uh, and obviously their, their high school recruiting efforts have improved a lot more. So uh, it's kind of new territory for me. You know, I'm used to picking up the phone and calling three-star guys and now they're in for blue chip guys. So it's just a complete 180. Uh, Carl Durrell, uh, I've always said is a good human being. He's a guy, if I could pick my neighbor, it would be Carl Durrell, but man, he was so boring. And so to go from that, with just the two of us on the road covering this team. It was just me and Brian Howell on those road press conferences before to what it is now where you can't go anywhere around those facilities without seeing massive cameras because they're filming a documentary. And, you know, last yeah. week, 60 Minutes was in town. Uh, College Game Day was in town. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy the amount of uh, attention that Colorado's garnered. And, and uh, you know, they drew in 25.2 million viewers through the first three games, which uh, – it's just crazy. I I feel like I'm living in a movie covering this program, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think Eric's going to go big picture for you a little bit there. But you also talked on a couple topics I wanted to hit on right away of just take us through this past offseason. We could do a whole podcast. We could probably do five podcasts on this whole offseason for Colorado football, what it was like. But more so of just a lot of stuff was seen on social media, whether it was because of the documentary teams that they're around Colorado that put stuff out, or it's just random social media stuff that gets found and get, goes viral. We know social media doesn't always tell the true story, if at all. Um, how was the offseason for Colorado? There was certainly a lot of scrutiny around it externally. Internally, how has it been received? Is, is it too early to call this a huge success that more schools should do Be, you know, moving forward? Because they are 3-0. And they are in the top 25. And like you just said, 25 million people have seen them watch or have seen them play college football the first three weeks of the year. Yeah, I just I don't think it's a blueprint you're really going to be able to follow because Deion Sanders is just different. You know, I, I've said I, I think there's maybe only two, maybe three people on the planet that could have done what he did at Colorado, you know, coming off last year, 111, the worst FBS program, uh, maybe Nick Saban, uh, Kirby Smart, maybe. But I mean, Deion Sanders is just a name that even if, you know, the younger generation isn't as familiar, their parents are going to inform them because, uh, you know, he was a transformational talent at the cornerback position. So um, I, I don't know if you're another program rebuilding, you can really 
take what Colorado's done and how they've been able to rebuild so quickly. But and Coach Prime did, you know, take some criticism for that first team meeting and basically telling guys to hit the portal. But you know, I covered that team last year. Somebody needed to come in to those facilities with a sledgehammer and just. I mean, the infrastructure was there, the facilities were there, but everything else needed to pretty much change. There had been a losing mentality outside of 2016. Colorado just has not enjoyed success in the last 15 years. Wanted to finish their career, were basically booted out, but uh, they're 3-0 and right now, and it's because this coaching staff came in, made tough decisions, and used the buzz uh, to their advantage. You know, the, you talked about the social media videos. Deion Sanders is a, a marketing genius with the way that he gets his message out there. And a lot of times in the press conference, uh, if he goes back at a reporter, he's not really going at them. He's just trying to get a certain message out. So he's just really savvy in that sense. And, and he knows how to sell Colorado football. Adam, you said something in the opening that I want to come back to, which is that you feel like you're in a movie. You're in the big screen covering this program. And that's so interesting. I, I thought about you a lot throughout this offseason, in part because I know you're working your tail off with the, the hundred probably transfer portal stories. Did you ever get a final count of how many you wrote for incoming and ex outgoing? Oh, Do you have no. an idea? It's got to be close to it. It's got to be like 130 or something, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's more than 70 new scholarship players. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's well into the hundreds for sure. <laughs> it's such a unique situation i guess what i'm curious about is is your exposure to coach prime which is i'm sure unique to a lot of people are obviously fascinated by this you've been around him since he arrived in boulder and have been able to take stock like maybe what are some i don't know if you want to say personal anecdotes but like what are some things about him that maybe an oregon fan especially doesn't know about him going into this week that maybe would interest them well it was interesting Shortly after his introductory press conference, Coach Prime asked the sports information director, hey, bring me the people that have been around here on this beat. And so we had kind of an informal off the record meeting with him. And it was great just to kind of get through that barrier, because uh, as much as you try to be professional in this gig, you know, I'm a human being. I Deion Sanders was a hero when I was a kid. So yeah. you to be able to break through that barrier, I thought that meeting really set the tone as far as that went. And my first impression then is that, you know, in those settings, uh, he's not prime time. He's Dion. He's uh, more down, he, you know, he's not as flashy and, and really talks uh, to you and, and wants to get to know you. And so I was really impressed with that. Uh, I think because of the flash that Dion Sanders, in, in this coach prime mantra has taken on that people lose sight of the fact that, you know, he's doing this for the right reasons. Deion Sanders does not need to be a college head right. coach, but he loves reaching young people. Um, and it's not just about coaching his sons. I mean, he's taken Travis Hunter is, is basically a son of his now. And so he's done that with a number of players where he's really become a father figure in their life. And uh, so he's done it the right way. And I know it rubs some people the wrong way just because uh, it comes out brash sometimes, but I've been really impressed with just uh, the quality of the human being that he is. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be honest, like having preconceived notions, but even watching today's press conference, which you were obviously a part of, like you can see that that part you mentioned there about how much he cares about his guys and how he talks about them. And I, I don't know if that's what people who are from the periphery have kind of understood or because I think there's just been maybe a lot of unfair criticism, probably maybe some fair criticism. Um, but here's a question kind of along the same things is, 
you mentioned the transfer portal and, and, and the process they did to kind of rebuild this, which is, again, never been seen in a sport before, in part because the portal is still relatively new. What are some things maybe that people don't give enough credit to for Dion or for Prime in terms of how he's rebuilt this? Because it's pretty easy now to say, oh, it's just this or it's that. But I know it's a lot more nuanced. There's a lot more pieces. So what are people maybe missing about what makes this so impressive? Well, he's a good football coach, and uh, it's not just about his celebrity. He put together a strong staff, and it was interesting. Midway through the TCU game, I turned to a colleague, and I said, Colorado's the more disciplined, better coached team, and they're going against a team that was in the national championship game a year ago, right. and this is a brand-new Colorado roster. So uh, there was – I don't know if you saw the, the press conference after the TCU game, but – Coach Prime kind of went at Ed Warder a little bit because he had, quote, tweeted something about him being a celebrity coach. And Coach Prime took exception to that. You know, he doesn't – he, he uh, is frustrated when people view him as just that and don't give him respect, you know, in terms of the X's and O's. Uh, it's been kind of an up-and-down non-conference play. Colorado has not really put together a full – uh, game yet. So uh, there are definitely a, a lot of issues they got to shore up, but generally this has looked like a well-coached football team out there. Adam, I, th I think it's safe to say that um, the fan base has been energized. The program has been energized. Um, like you said, last week's game against um, Colorado state, there was like what 9.3 million people watching that game. Uh, when it ended, it was almost 3 a.m. East coast time. Uh, that is absolutely a mind-boggling number. It blows away any other 7.30 kickoff time slot window ESPN has had. Uh, so, there's been multiple sellouts. I, I don't know. Are all the games sold out at Colorado now this, this season? They just today sold out their final home game. So it's the first time in the, the program's history that they've done that. Only one other time had they even sold out five of the six home games. So, yeah, record numbers uh, in terms of everything. I mean, their spring game was sold out and they sold tickets in the past. You didn't have to pay to get in and you would be able to count the number of people at the spring game. So it really is a 180, just a, an incredible change. So the, the reason I wanted to go here was this time last year, when we had you on, the program wasn't just disarray. No one cared really. You, you talked about like people have gotten past the point of, caring that they weren't that they were bad and it's just oh this is who they are um can you just for you for the community can you just explain how this has changed and what you know what is it like covering a team that has gone from a point in where no one cared if they lost in less than a year now all the games are sold out everyone's watching and yes Deion Sanders the name has a huge factor in this but they are legitimately good. Like they, they could be uh, more than just an average bowl caliber team. Like they're they're going to be in play for a solid bowl game, if not more. Um, what has just this transformation experience been like, just from your perspective and the community's perspective? I imagine it's just crazy. Yeah, kind of going back a year, the last time I talked with you guys there was a feeling of apathy and real strong frustration, not only because Carl Durrell in that era ended up being a failure, but also because there were transfer restrictions, which were keeping it from Colorado bringing, being able to bring guys in from the portal. Uh, the vast majority of guys 
that they would do an academic evaluation on from the portal during Carl Durrell's tenure at Colorado came back rejected by the academic folks. And so uh, before Coach Prime got hired, you know, we were in the media out here talking about the fact that it doesn't really matter who they hire as their next head coach, that as long as they can't bring guys in from the transfer portal, they're just not going to be able to compete. And so Colorado Brass, the president, chancellor, athletic director, worked together to create this pilot program, which allowed uh, Coach Prime to do that. And Coach Prime would not be the head coach at Colorado had they not had that pilot program to bring transfers in. So that was kind of the beginning of there actually being hope. Um, and then just in terms of the actual national interest in Colorado, I think partly uh, it's Colorado's kind of an underdog story, right? You know, going one and 11 last year, the over under for them going into the season was three and a half wins. So the, the national folks just weren't going to give Coach Prime much of a chance to have success in year one. And so, um, and then just all the exposure that they give through social media, it allows people that maybe they didn't have a college football team, but they start tuning into all the behind the scenes footage and they grow an attachment to certain players on the team. Um, it's, it's a fun environment that Coach Prime has created. And I think people are kind of glomming onto that. Um, it does rub some people the wrong way because it's unconventional. It's not the way that it's supposed to be done, right? Not the way that other programs do. But Coach Prime uh, is an unconventional person because he didn't get into coaching until that long ago. So uh, he's more willing to think outside of the box. And uh, it's just created an attachment, I think, to this program from folks around the country. Talked a lot about how this has been kind of an unparalleled year for Colorado football. I imagine there hasn't been an athlete like Shador in a long time. I, I mean, I, I mean, I would imagine Cordell Stewart way back when. I mean, yeah. there have been some really good players since mixed in, but like I imagine his Q rating, you can tell me where I'm wrong, is like through the roof in Boulder and in the state and it just in terms of the fan base and the way he's played so far. Um, I'll let you speak to that, but also like him as a player, what surprised you? Like, have you, did you expect the transition to be this seamless? Because uh, coming from FCS football to now, I think PFF has him as a, the number two graded quarterback in the entire country and the top in the conference, uh, in this conference, which has all sorts of guys. Like, what's, led, what's allowed that to happen? Because it's pretty, again, unparalleled. Yeah, well, to your point, Colorado hasn't had a quarterback drafted into the NFL since 1997. So, uh, and if you look at the quarterback play in Boulder the last couple seasons with JT Shroud and Brennan Lewis, I mean, it was uh, arguably the worst in the country. So, again, a complete 180. Um, I did expect a lot of this out of Shador just because of everything we had heard since the second he got in Boulder. And, you know, sometimes until you see it in the game, you're a little reluctant to buy it 100%. But you ask anybody around Colorado football off the record about Shador, and there was no hesitation that – uh, he was going to be on an elite level as a quarterback this year. And that's why I was a little bit more uh, – had higher expectations for this team than the national prognosticators, again, with that three-and-a-half over under. It was because Shador Sanders is not going to let this team uh, have a losing record. That's just not in his DNA. You saw in their game against Colorado State, uh, they had the ball at their own two-yard line with a couple minutes left. And I don't know if Shador Sanders – heart rate even went up. He's just such a, a, a calm competitor out there and really good in those clutch situations. And so uh, he's somebody that Colorado has not had a quarterback. Now they have had Cephal Lufau, who was a warrior. Steven Montez had some physical gifts, but to have the full package at, at the quarterback position, it, it's been probably back to Cordell in his career at CU. Yeah. 
beyond Shadur, they are more than just him. They've got some of the they've got two dynamic receivers. I was gonna say three with Travis Hunter, but unfortunately he's not playing in this game, which really sucks because I was hoping to see him play. As was most Duck fans, Dan Lanning was really disappointed that he got hurt uh, and was bummed and was really hoping for a speedy recovery. But can you just give us some insight into who Colorado has that Shador is targeting at, you know, whether it's receiver, whether it's tight end, running back. The, the, this group is pretty dynamic. You, you can't be an elite offense like this with just a quarterback. you got to have special talent around them as well. Yeah, Jimmy Horn Jr. and Xavier Weaver are, yeah, are one and two in the Pac-12 in receptions per game right now. And, and they both transferred in from USF where they both enjoyed a lot of individual success there but didn't get the team success. And so they transferred to come and play. And it was a smart decision to transfer to, to come into play for Shador because uh, uh, he usually puts the ball on the money. And, and, yeah, those are both really solid guys. A new guy that kind of emerged late in that Colorado State game was tight end Mikey Harrison, who was actually a receiver, a walk-on receiver in the program this spring. They converted him to tight end because Seydou Traore, a big tight end that they brought in, decided not to stick around, and he hit the portal again. So they needed somebody to step up there, and it ended up being this walk-on. And he scored 14 of Colorado's final 17 points in that double overtime victory. So it was kind of a feel-good story walk-on that kind of emerged. Uh, I think with so much of the attention being on Weaver and Horn right now, that's what's you know allowed Harrison to to now emerge. But they, if they want to achieve their goals in conference play, Colorado's offense is going to start having to start run the ball better. Right now they're only averaging 61 yards per game on the ground. That ranks dead last uh, in the conference, I think 120th nationally. So – they just have not been able to consistently get that ground game. We did hear today, though, that Alton McCaskill the fourth, a transfer from Houston at running back, uh, shed the no-contact jersey, and Coach Prime said he, he's ready to go. This was a guy that uh, was a blue-chip transfer in that folks thought was going to be the feature back for the Buffs, but he was coming back from a torn ACL, and this staff decided to kind of bring him back a little bit slower. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him make his debut the old line's going to need to get a little bit more of a push, though. The, it's not really on the back so far this season. The the interior of Colorado's offensive line has, has kind of struggled to get that push in the ground game. Defensively, let's shift over here for a second. Um, against Colorado State, they really struggled with the crossing routes. Um, the passing game has had a lot of success against Colorado. Um, but we've also seen this team, they lead their – they're tied with the number of teams for the most turnovers forced in the country with 10. They've got six interceptions. They've got four fumble forced fumble recoveries, um, opportunistic defense here. Just what's your evaluation? What, what is going to be their strength? What do they hope to lean on? And what are the areas that they try to have teams avoid because they just aren't good at it? Yeah, they do like to play an attacking style of defense. And so that does – lend itself to them creating turnovers, but then they've given up a lot of big plays and they've struggled at times uh, as a defense. I would say the Nebraska game was really the only uh, performance you'd look to the defense and say they, they played up to their capabilities. Uh, it does look like as much as they've struggled against other teams' ground attack, and you know I talk about Colorado not, is not running the football very well, they're not defending the run very well. That, that's got to change, obviously, as they get into Pac-12 against higher caliber teams like Oregon and USC here the next couple of weeks. But the run defense has a chance to get better now. I think with Juju Mitchell kind of 
settling in. He was set to be a starting linebacker at Arizona State, but during preseason camp got booted from the team there. He landed at Colorado and it took him a, you know, a little bit of time just to get acclimated, but he's seen an increased role every game this season and he's looked pretty good out there. So that's one area they might improve just because of him being out there going forward. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I was in the middle of making sure I get this name right. I, I, I've got a couple of players that I was curious on um, on kind of what the deal is because there were some really high-profile transfers added this offseason. I just haven't seen as much as I expected in the box score. Savelle Smalls from Washington was one, and then Demoyne Kennedy um, from Alabama. I was just curious. These were guys that were really highly rated high school players that came with some notoriety at least when they entered in the portal and landed at, at Colorado, and yet it doesn't look like they've carved out significant roles yet can you maybe speak to the situation with those two and maybe if there are other players or if there's a bigger picture here thing that that maybe i'm missing yeah demoy kennedy brings a lot of speed and he was you know starting at, at points in the preseason but uh they really have liked what they've gotten out of marvin ham in a starting linebacker role he was one of the few guys on last year's team that survived um, and he's played well enough so far to keep that gig. Uh, Savelle Smalls is a little bit buried on the depth chart. He did make a play in the Nebraska game, but uh, it sounds like he's really good as a pass rusher, but isn't so great against the run. And Colorado's edge coach said, Hey, you got to be able to do both. And they've got some other guys there that, that can do it. Uh, Jordan Dominic is a guy that has uh, had quite a few tackles for a loss. Colorado hasn't consistently had the pass rush. They had it against Nebraska, but against TCU and Colorado State, they haven't done a good enough job of getting after the quarterback. When you just look at the ratio of how many times Shadur Sanders has gotten hit versus how many times Colorado has hit the other quarterback, that's a ratio that uh, is off right now, and it's in the favor of the opponent. So they need – that's one other area. If they're going to continue to win games against tougher opponents, has got to get better. You mentioned McCaskill. Obviously, most people know about Hunter, and I'm curious to hear kind of what the plan is in his absence, which it sounds like it'll be a couple of weeks at least. Um, are there any other injuries or any other players maybe returning that are worth acknowledging or players that are going to miss this game? Yeah, right now there's kind of a competition at cornerback. Kendrick Breedlove was the defensive back that saw an increased role with Travis Hunter out in the second half against Colorado State. Didn't play particularly great, so uh, he's in the mix there. Travis Jay, a transfer from Florida State, is in the mix there as well. So uh, they're kind of letting them duke it out here. That would be a concern going into this game because, uh, you know, Omar and Cooper at one of the cornerback spots is pretty solid, but 
that third spot has just been kind of unsettled here. Carter Stoutmeyer, a true freshman, is another guy. So they've got quite a few guys that they're they're kind of rotating in there to to try to you know fill that void. But Coach Prime said it today: you, no one in the country is replacing Travis Hunter really on either side of the ball. So uh, it's definitely going to be a downgrade. No offense to whoever does fill that that void. Just real quick here, what are the just the matchups you're excited to see play out? Whether it's Hey, this dude's just really good. I'm excited to see him play against this guy at Oregon who's really good. Or is there a certain position group that you're just like, oh, man, this this could decide the game one way or the other? Like, What, what are you excited to see play out on, on Saturday? Well, I'm going to throw a curveball in here. I'm looking right. forward to seeing uh, Nico Reed out there because yeah. obviously he's a former buff. And it, it sounds like he's kind of a rotational piece in the secondary there. Yeah. Yeah, he he, he rotates in. He's not a starter, but he's a, he plays every game. He's a scrappy, competitive little guy. He's yeah. I enjoyed watching him at Colorado. He's a good athlete. He's playing inside at slot. It's kind of a okay. slot corner more than outside, it seems like, at least so far. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I mean, Bo Nix, obviously, uh, it's great to just see great quarterbacks duel it out. You know, you're going to have two of the best quarterbacks in the country out there on the same field. That That is probably the number one thing that I'm looking forward to. I think last one for me here is just – what are some things you think are are key for the Buffs to win this football game? And I guess just in, in general, what's the confidence level in Boulder coming into this game? Three score favorites for Oregon. I'm sure part of that is the the Travis Hunter injury. But is there a lot of confidence amongst the fan base that they can go 4-0? And, and if, I guess if they are, to, to my original question, what are some things that have to happen? Yeah, we haven't done our score predictions on our message board yet. So I am curious to see kind of how confident or – uh, pessimistic Colorado fans are going into this. You know, Coach Prime uh, has delivered on everything he said he was going to do at Colorado so far. So he's got a lot of believers, and uh, he probably deserves them based on uh, what we've seen out of this football team. But there are so many question marks. Uh, I talk about the, the rush offense, the, the run defense, which both rank dead last in, in the conference right now. The fact that Shadur is just getting hit far too much right now. Um, and then Every unit's just been a little clunky at times, you know, just ha they really haven't put together a, a good full game yet. So, uh, you know, I think you've got to lean towards Oregon with uh, the, the advantages they have out there. And uh, so I, I wouldn't be able to pick Colorado to upset this, but I'm sure there's a lot of Colorado fans there uh, because everything they've seen with Coach Prime has is, is resulted in, in a W so far. I've, I've got one last question uh, and it's towards the future because unfortunately Adam, like I don't know when Colorado and we're going to play again. Uh, it sucks. Colorado's becomes a, a, a good story and the PAC 12 has elite quarterbacks everywhere. Eight teams are ranked in the PAC 12 and then in seven months, six months, poof, it's all gone. Uh, and we're down to, to the PAC two the big 12 is off to, uh, to the big 12. Oregon is off to the big 10. Um, so my question here is just big picture. Deion Sanders, his time at Colorado, is, is it expected to be long? Because originally it was from an outside the program's perspective, it looked like, oh, we'll wait until they have success. Some big school is going to come calling. He's immediately going to run. But it sounds like even as much as today, uh, he's he's saying, no, uh, my kids are coming back here next year. I, I don't want to go to the NFL. I want to be a college coach. Um, and why would you leave Colorado if you're having this kind of success at, for when you're in the Big 12 when it's completely open with Oklahoma and Texas leaving and looking at what's left, Colorado could be 
the King real quick. Just what are your thoughts on just long-term Deion Sanders and where this program ceiling could be? Could they be back to competing for national championships in a couple of years, if you like? Well, first off, I, I think that if Coach Prime gets into the college football playoff and makes a run there, it look, makes him look like a lot more of a transformational type coach doing it at Colorado than uh, if he bolted Boulder and then went to a program, you know, I, I don't know, a program that's obviously more established, maybe down in the SEC. So um, I, I don't know. It's I'm not in Coach Prime's head, so I it can't really predict the future. But I do know that, you know, uh, there's people that feel confident that he's going to be around for maybe five years and uh, who knows where it goes from there. Um, Colorado has a lot to offer. You know, I have a lot of beat writers that tell me that's one of their favorite trips. It was kind of perplexing that they were as awful as they were for so long, you know, Uh, don't have the recruiting base that definitely hurts. But uh, when you have coach prime in his presence, you can overcome that. So uh, I don't know. I can't predict the future. I, tell Colorado fans to just not worry about that. There's going to be a lot of rumors about that going forward. Uh, Just enjoy this experience if you're a Colorado fan and uh, don't think too far down the road because uh, they've been waiting for, uh, you know, excitement like this for, for a very long time. Yeah. It means a good thing if there's rumors around your coach being pursued by other schools, it means you're doing something right. And Deion Sanders and Colorado clearly uh, are doing something right. Adam, thank you for coming on the show. We will, we will wait your arrival in, in uh, Eugene here in a couple of days. We'll catch up in the press box, and uh, hopefully we get served up a, a really good, entertaining game. Yeah, well, that's why I pulled out the the Pac-12, yep. which is uh, – I was joking with you guys. It's soon to be vintage gear here. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm kind of bummed out. I, I It's sad thinking that this yes. might be a last trip to Eugene, and you know, hopefully – some of these old Pac-12 schools can start scheduling non-conference games because uh, I'm going to miss and a lot of the colleagues. You know, I enjoy bumping into you guys in the press box or at Pac-12 Media Day. We have a, a great team on 24/7 Sports in the Pac-12. Absolutely. Uh, and you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. We'll catch you later. Thanks, folks. <laughs>